You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. We come together about once a week to talk about how you can work to save your relationship, how to save your marriage. Sometimes I give you mindset pieces and sometimes techniques, and today I want to talk about why people aren't saving their marriage. So let me just stop here and say, if you are actively working and getting success saving your marriage, skip over this podcast. There's no reason to listen to this one. But if you find yourself either not getting started, even if you want to save your relationship, or you find yourself maybe started but kind of stalled, right? You start and then you can't make any progress. If that's you, I want to talk about four reasons why, and there are other reasons, but I want to give four big reasons why you may not be saving your marriage. Now, this podcast is designed to help you move forward with that, and so we want to attack these four pieces. I don't want to just name these four things that are holding you back. I want to be clear about what they are so you can identify which one, or maybe more than one, is holding you back. And then we want to find a way of moving forward. So let's talk through these. And just to help you remember them, I'm using the F words. And don't worry, your kids can listen or whoever is, happens to be listening. I, I'm not going with some of those words. But let's start with the first F word, and that is fear. You know, what's interesting to me is how much fear plays into our existence in life and really in how much it plays into the existence of holding us back, of keeping us from making progress. It's almost as if we have this sense of being allergic to fear. And so many times I talk with people and, and you know, they'll tell me about something and that they wanted to move towards, but they were afraid to. They had fear about doing that. And so they don't move towards it. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten this misguided belief that if fear is present, something is wrong with what we're doing, right? Not fear is present because we're pressing forward, but the fear is telling us something is wrong. And, and I find this to be interesting because fear is just our body saying, hey, pay attention. This is important, right? It's our brain and body telling us that because how, where do you experience fear? In your body. What's triggering that? Somewhere in your brain, and it's the connection between the two. But a lot of times people want to back away from fear instead of moving through fear. And the problem with that is almost always something important is going to strike fear. And so if I want you to just kind of think back on your life about how many times maybe you actually did move through fear. I remember leaving for college and, and leaving everything I knew behind for no idea what was going to happen and who my roommate would be or what my classes would be like or what campus was going to be like. And I remember the fear of that, but I did it because it was important enough to go through that. I remember the fear of asking my now wife, but at that point just an acquaintance, to go out, right? The fear of possible rejection. And, and, and I remember 
asking her to marry me and how fearful that was, but it was so important, right? And even on the day of our marriage, my anxiety, my fear about, you know, could I, could I walk through this process, not the marriage ceremony, but being married and the responsibilities of that. And then we set out on our life. And, and all along, there are these places where you hit fear. What's interesting to me is why people sometimes move through fear and why sometimes they let it back them down. Saving their marriage is one of the places that many people let it back them down. And I think the reason is because part of the fear is from bad experiences in the past. The damage that's been done to the relationship. And so we fear pushing forward. But all it's saying is, hey, this is important, right? This is important work. On a weekly basis, when I'm working with coaching clients, we'll often decide that they're going to do something. We'll agree on it. And I'm not forcing them to do it, but we'll come up with some things that they're going to do for the next week. And so then the next week they come to talk to me and I'll say, hey, how did it go when you did X? And I maybe not quite half, but somewhat expect for them to give me the answer that they didn't do it, to which I respond, why didn't you? What kept you from that? Because I thought we had decided that was the best way to go. What kept you back? Almost always, their response is, because I was afraid. And I want you to kind of take this in. Fear is not a reason why we do or don't do something. Fear is an emotion attached to those things. It's not a reason why. As far as I know, nobody's ever died just of fear. There are lots of things they might have done where they shouldn't have done, and and fear might have been giving them a red flag, but the feeling of fear, the emotion of fear, is not what hurt them. I've had plenty of times in my life where I felt fear. I've never died from it. Uncomfortable? Yes, absolutely. We're not going to love the feeling of fear. And interesting to me is how often we have that exact same feeling. We just call it something different. Excitement, right? So imagine you're at an amusement park and there, there's someone standing beside you and you're looking at this roller coaster and one of you is all excited about riding it and the other is all fearful about riding it. The bodily feeling of that is exactly the same. The biochemistry of that is exactly the same. The only difference is how you are defining it, of how you are framing it. Because I was excited, because I was fearful, right? Same thing. I was talking with a high adventure guy the other day, and we were talking about this, and he said, you know, a lot of times I feel that fear. I have that fear thing, and I just have to say, oh, that's my excitement, And I keep pushing forward. So, you know, if you have these fearful thoughts about saving your relationship, you might go with you're excited to try a different relationship and see if that changes it for you. But the bigger thing is just to understand that the fear is there to say to you, this is important, pay attention. It's not there to stop you, but to get you to pay attention to that. So the first one 
The first reason why, and these are all reasons why that we need to get rid of, but the first reason why you may not be saving your marriage is fear. Second one, and this is going to sound interesting, but let me, let me explain it. Family and friends, <laughs> the two Fs, family and friends. So why would that be a problem, right? Because your family should be wanting the best, and that's exactly the problem. If your family and your friends have seen you in pain, struggling with your relationship, they don't want you to be in pain. And here's where the problem is. Our culture has gotten to the place where we see things as being disposable, even when we've made commitments about things. Yeah, I remember back when the whole housing market was upside down, this person uh, was talking to me and said, you know, I'm just walking away from my house. I'm going to just quit paying on it. I mean, why should I? Because it's upside down in value. And I said, you have a mortgage on it, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, you signed a mortgage saying that you would pay the bank back, right? And he said, yes. And I said, so that would be one of the why should you? You made a commitment to it. What's well, the same kind of thing? He was just justifying in his head why it was okay for him to you know, just walk away from that and not honor the commitment, not be true to his word. Well, the same thing is true with marriage. We've gotten to the place where we see this relationship, and even though we stand in front of family and friends and we say, till death do us part, at some point we've gotten to the place of saying, well, it's really disposable. I didn't really mean that. You know, that was just a figure of speech. It's just something you say. And these are temporary things. When things get hard, you know, it's okay to walk away. And so the disposable mentality of life in general, but even of committed things, leads our family and friends to see only one solution to you being in pain. You get out. Now, there is the other option of saving your relationship, of restoring it, but family and friends are looking at it through that disposable lens, and you've got to be careful on whether you are too or whether you say, no, no, this is important. What I'm doing is important and multi-generational. When we look in broken families, we can long see the effect of that through the kids and through other marriages in that relationship. Sometimes we have to step back and say, you know what, this is a choice I get to make. The other thing that happens with family and friends is they tend to see one side of the picture, right? Your friends are going to side with you. I mean, that's what happens. We find people to back our viewpoint. And so as you've been sharing your pain and your hurt in the relationship, they're only seeing that one viewpoint, that one perspective. So they only have your perspective on how bad things are. And as you have come to change and believe that something could be different, they haven't been a part of that evolution. Many times I've watched people who decided to save their relationship suddenly have their family say, oh, wait, you've already said you were getting out. You need to stick with that rather than seeing that there's something important there for them to work through. Now, let me pause here and say, if your family and friends are talking about your relationship and saying it's abusive, 
And they're using their outside perspective to warn you of the abuse they're seeing in, in the relationship. We're talking about different things here. I'm talking about in general, in normal broken relationships where the connection has been damaged, where you've hit the pause button and the family is just siding with you because they don't want you in pain. So family and friends is the second reason why those voices in your head, it's the second reason why people don't save their marriage. Third reason is false starts. Now, let me be clear. Most people who are in marriages have had false starts to make changes. Yeah, we'll see that something's not working and we'll take a false start in changing that. And, and that's true in all of life, right? People who decide to break a bad habit, they stop smoking or stop drinking or start using drugs, they often do that with a false start, meaning they relapse. That's what we call it in the addiction world, right? They relapse. That's a false start. It doesn't mean it was wrong. They just didn't get off on the best foot. Something didn't change for them. Maybe it's that you have found the wrong place to move towards, right? The wrong path to get you away from what you wanted to do. Maybe you tried something and it just wasn't what you thought it would be. So many marriages have that as a backstop. False starts along the way. And unfortunately, many people say, well, I've tried to save my marriage. I've already tried that and it didn't work. I just want to think about the many places in your life, looking back, where that belief wouldn't have served you well. I've used the example before, but, you know, little, little child learning to walk. They fall repeatedly, and if they go, oh, that was a false start, well, I guess I just ought to give that up because I've tried that before and it just didn't work. That's not what we do. We climb back up and do it again. While I was going through college, I don't know how many times I had false starts in classes, right, where I would get through and go, okay, this is not for me. I need to drop out. But I didn't say, okay, so college is not for me. I just said, that class is not for me. I've got to figure out something different. So all of these places in our life where we have had a chance to restart, it's the same with this. Just because your attempts to change your relationship in the past didn't work doesn't mean there's not a way to do it. It's just the way you did it didn't work that time. So we try again. I mean, that's what we humans do. We try something, it doesn't work. We find something else. We try something, it doesn't work. We find something else. And we keep pivoting until we find exactly what works. It's true in healing a relationship. That's what makes the difference. Now, the last one, the fourth way that people fail to save their marriage is flawed help. Right? I mean, here's the problem. There's so much information running around us all the time. I mean, the internet at our fingertips is good and bad. We can always get an answer very quickly, but we don't always get the right answer. I mean, misinformation abounds. And so sometimes you stumble on something about saving your marriage that's not such good advice. Let me put it in one big category to think about because there are great places to get information on saving your marriage, but there are a couple of places that people often kind of default to, and that is manipulation. You know, if you're reading something and you go, wow, that feels a little manipulative, you need to be cautious. Some people go ahead and push ahead 
with that information. So they use the no contact rule or NLP or casting spells or reverse psychology or lots of other places to try to you know, somehow trick a spouse into saying. Now, sometimes you get some kind of response. Sometimes if you do the no contact rule, at least for the first little bit, somebody might say, hey, where are you? What's going on? And you keep on and you go, oh, I'm getting their attention. But what you're really doing is severing the connection. Or reverse psychology where they say, we need to get divorced. And you go, oh, you're right. We do need to get that. And they go, wait, I thought you would disagree. So that might stall them for a minute, but long term it doesn't work. And so there are two things that actually are a problem. One is the spousal reaction. Nobody wants to be treated like a child or manipulated. So when they catch on to that, when they get a whiff of that, they're going to back off and shut down further. But more than that, most of us have within us this little place in our gut that's going, yeah, I don't think so. So sometimes the reason people don't take action is because their own gut is saying to them, yeah, this isn't what it ought to be. This isn't where I want to be. And, and so they don't act even though they aren't sure why they're not acting. So what if you really want to save your marriage? And you've gotten to this point and you realize that maybe those were some of the speed bumps along the way. But they're not full stops. They've just slowed you down. Maybe you're at pause and you want to get going. Well, let me give you four other F words to use. Finally find full faith. Find an approach that works for you. I've got an approach, but there are other approaches out there. But find one that you really believe in, that really feels like it's based in integrity to you, that really fixes some of the problems for you, and move forward with that. Finally find full faith that you have decided that this is important enough for you to move through the fear for you to set aside the voices of people around you who don't know better, who maybe even agreed with you all along because you were saying that you don't know what to do. Get beyond the false starts that you've had in the past and just recognize that it's kind of like going, okay, that's one more way that didn't work. So I've gotten rid of that one and I can keep moving forward to something else. Keep moving forward. Avoid the flawed help. Finally find full faith and an approach that you can stand behind. If you haven't found that yet, please check out my program at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Just let me me tell you, the program is already there for you. And for most people, that's all you need. But please do this. I give you a full free week of my VIP program. It includes information about an apology letter formula that I've been using for well over a decade. It's got tools of connection in there. It's got a fill-in-the-blank plan to help you build everything you need. All of it's just waiting for you for that free week. I also give you a session. It's a a mini session. It's a get-started session with one of my coaches at no charge. We want to make sure that you have the best start. But the big thing is that you start. Don't let these reasons hold you back. Let's get your marriage saved. I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.